Well, good evening. And welcome to our annual community Thanksgiving service. We are delighted here at Ansonville Baptist Church to be able to host this meeting. And while I say that, let me say we welcome members of the Ansonville United Methodist Church, Cedar Hill United Methodist Church, Concord United Methodist Church, and Red Hill Baptist Church. And just momentarily, Rodney Clemens, the pastor of Red Hill, is going to come and bring our annual sermon, so we're looking forward to that. But before we go any further, we want to ask Robert Burr, who is the pastor of the Ansonville Methodist Church. You know, I thought about something. You know, Rodney and I, you know, we can only handle one church at a time. Robert's got three churches, so he's a superhuman pastor. Robert, if you'll come and open us up in a word of prayer, please. Father God, we give you praise and thanks, Lord, for another day that we can come together as a big Christian family, Lord. Of all the churches that Jeff just mentioned, Father, all of us are one in Jesus Christ. We boldly approach your throne of grace today, Lord, asking for your blessings. For out your Holy Spirit upon us, Lord, in full measure, that we can worship you here and now in spirit and in truth. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and most importantly, our Redeemer. i 
Jesus' name let angels prostrate call. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Oh, that with yonder sacred throng we at his feet may fall, we'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. Hallelujah, thine the glory, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah, thine the glory, revive us again. We praise thee, O God, for the Son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, find the glory, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah. Find the glory, revive us again, revive us again, fill each heart with thy love, may each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah, find the glory, hallelujah, Find the glory, revival, 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 Refuse us a home in heaven. 
No, not one. No, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. No. tonight and we just praise God for it. This time we want to ask Rodney Clements, the pastor of Red Hill Baptist Church to come and bring our annual Thanksgiving sermon. Thank you Pastor Jeff and the congregation of Anselville Baptist for hosting us tonight. Thank you men for ministering and choir and all of you for being here. It's always a delight to gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ and to worship together as we think about Thanksgiving. Uh, What an exciting time of the year. A four-year-old boy was asked to return thanks for the Thanksgiving dinner, and the family members bowed their heads around the table with expectation. And this four-year-old boy began his prayer, and he began thanking God for all of his friends, naming them one by one. Then he thanked God for mommy, for daddy, for brother, for sister, for grandma, for grandpa, all of his aunts, all of his uncles. Then he began to thank God for the food. And he prayed and he thanked God and gave thanks for the turkey, the dressing, the fruit salad, the cranberry sauce, the pies, the cakes, even the Cool Whip. He thanked God for the Cool Whip. Then he paused and everyone waited and waited. And after a long silence, the young fellow looked up at his mother and he asked this question. If I thank God for the broccoli, won't he know I'm lying? Now, say what you will about his prayer. He's actually far ahead of most of us in reality. You say, well, what way, preacher? Well, his prayer is filled with thanksgiving. And I wonder, does thanksgiving fill your prayer life? Is your prayer life more like a letter to Santa Claus? I want this and that and this over yonder. Or is it more like an inventory? Thank you, God, for this. And thank you, God, for that that you bless me with. I love what Harry Ironside, once a a pastor of uh, Moody Memorial Church in Chicago, said. He said, Thanksgiving is the enemy of dissatisfaction and discontent. Thanksgiving is the enemy of discontent and dissatisfaction. It's hard for those things to dwell together in your life. They don't mix well. Uh, It's Thanksgiving or it's dissatisfaction or discontent. They don't mix well. They don't play together very well. So which is it for you when it comes to your prayer life? Is it filled with thanksgiving or is your life filled with discontent and dissatisfaction? What I want to do tonight is to dive a little deeper uh, into our prayer lives. And uh, in this combined thanksgiving service, God has a word for our lives and he has a word for our churches. And I want you, if you would, if you have a copy of God's word, to be turning to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. And you might be thinking, it's thanksgiving. Why the book of Colossians? Well, as someone has noted... Uh, It's one of the most thankful books in the entire New Testament. Listen to just a few verses from it. 
Colossians 1.3, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Colossians 1.12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and the light. Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God, the Father, through him. And then it comes to chapter 4, and that's where I want to ask you to be tonight. Chapter 4, and our passage is found there. We want to focus our attention on just three verses tonight. Colossians chapter 4. And I'll read there verses 2, 3, and 4 if you'd like to follow along in your Bible. Colossians chapter 4, beginning at verse 2. The Bible says, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Now, just three verses, but oh, what treasure is found in those few words. Here we're challenged concerning our prayer lives. And we find some things there that should characterize our prayer lives as individuals. And as we look at these together tonight, I want to encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart, to search your life, to search your prayer life. And be open and honest before him. Because what I found as I've studied this passage in preparation for tonight is God has been dealing in my heart, in my life. Because it may be the case as we study it tonight, you'll see some shortcomings. You'll see some areas that should be present in your prayer life that they're not there. And hopefully tonight you'll be submissive and open to the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Maybe pray a prayer like this. Search me, O God, and and know my heart. Show me what I need to understand and what I need to learn tonight. Four things real quick tonight from Colossians chapter 4. We find, first of all, our prayer life should be characterized by diligence. Our prayer life should be characterized by diligence. Notice the beginning of that uh, second verse there. Continue earnestly in prayer. Now, what does it mean to continue earnestly in prayer? John MacArthur tells us that the Greek there means to be courageously persistent, to hold fast and not let go. That's quite a picture, isn't it? To to hold fast and not let go. This is not half-hearted praying. This is not hit or miss praying. This is diligent praying. This is devotion to prayer. This is serious praying. Now, beloved, why is it that we do not pray as we ought to pray? You ever think about that? Surely there are many answers to that question. But when you really boil it down, a lot of those things go back to this. Simple, self-sufficient pride. Simple, self-sufficient pride. We don't pray as we ought because we don't think we need to pray. Now, we wouldn't verbalize that and we wouldn't say that out loud. But in our heart of hearts, that's the matter. We're proud. We're boastful. We're sinfully self-sufficient or so we think. And so we go through our lives and we go through on our own strength and our own merit. We forget what the book of James tells us. James chapter 4, verse 6 says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I don't know if you noted it uh, as we read the passage tonight, but Paul was not afraid to admit his need of prayer. He wanted others to be praying for him. And we should desire others to be praying for us and we should be praying ourselves. Let me ask you, are you diligent in your prayer life? 
Or are you simply kind of fumbling along through life and you kind of make it on your own and only when you get in over your head, only when you get in too deep do you begin to cry out to God. You see, that's not the kind of life we're supposed to be living. We're to live a life, a prayer life that is diligent. Continue in prayer has the idea of constancy. It's the idea that's expressed in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, where the Bible says pray without ceasing. Now, that does not mean that God wants us to spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week on our knees there in prayer. It doesn't mean we're supposed to go to a cave somewhere and hole up there and pray the rest of our lives. It's the idea of, of the attitude, a lifestyle of prayer. I'm told that word that's translated without ceasing, pray without ceasing, was used in Bible times to describe a person with an incessant cough. You ever have one of those, a cough that... You just can't shake. Now, you don't cough all the time, but all throughout the day, you're... <coughs> I haven't heard anybody tonight. It's amazing. Here we are in November and Thanksgiving time, and I haven't heard anybody. Now somebody's going to get a tickle in your throat, but I, I apologize. But it's the idea that you are having an incessant cough. And so all throughout the day, you're, you're, you're coughing. That's the idea there. Pray without ceasing. You're, you're crying out to God all throughout the day. It's a lifestyle, an attitude of prayer. And our prayer lives are to be characterized... By diligence. But there's a second thing here, and that is that it be characterized by vigilance. Did you notice what it says? Continue earnestly in prayer, verse 2, being vigilant in it. Being vigilant in it. It has the idea of being watchful, to watch and pray. It reminds us that in our prayer lives, we're to be wide awake, we're to be alert, and we're to be aware. Now, there are a thousand things in life that will distract you from praying. Have you found that out? There are a thousand things when you actually get to the point where you're beginning to pray that will distract you. Your mind will begin to wander. You'll begin to think about this and that. You'll think, well, did, it, it, did the laundry buzzer just go off? It, 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 is the turkey done? Did I, did, did I turn that? Did I do this? I've got to make that list. I've got to make this phone call. And your mind can begin to wander. That's not the type of prayer being talked about here. Being vigilant, and it means it's a prayer that's not easily distracted. It's not easily taken off course by wandering things and thoughts. It's watchful. It's intense. It's focused. We might also add, when you think about being vigilant or being watchful in prayer, it's the idea of being watchful for the answers to our prayer. To be watchful. To wait and see how God is going to answer our prayer. Let me ask you this. Do you look for answers to your prayer? You know what happens to us sometimes, beloved? We're so general in our praying, we wouldn't know the answer if it hit us up the side of the head. We don't pray specifically. Oh, bless the missionary. Bless them, bless them, bless them. We don't get specific where we know when God has spoken, when God has acted, when God has answered that prayer. And so we need to be vigilant in our praying, intense, focused, and also watchful in the sense of looking for the answers. I love what the scholar W.H. Griffith Thomas said about this idea of watchfulness or vigilance. He said we are not to watch ourselves, which would be depressing. We're not to watch Satan, which would be distracting. We're not to watch our sins, which would be disheartening. But we're to keep our gaze fixed on Christ. Hebrews says it this way, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our prayer life should be characterized by diligence, constancy. I'm, I'm, I'm praying all the time. And, and it also should be characterized by vigilance. But there's a third thing. And I think it's the most obvious thing tonight in our meeting, isn't it? Notice what it says in verse 2 again. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Now there's our theme for the evening. Thanksgiving. Our prayer life should be characterized by thankfulness, by gratitude, by thanksgiving. Prayer and thanksgiving go hand in hand. It says with thanksgiving. Continue in prayer. Be vigilant in prayer with thanksgiving. Reminds us of what Paul wrote to the believers at Philippi. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't answer out loud, but how much of your prayer life is taken up with thanksgiving? How much time, if you were to look at your prayer life, let's say you take a 10-minute snapshot of your prayer life tonight, how many minutes are spent... And thanksgiving, you know, we have so much to be thankful for. We have material blessings. We have physical blessings. And then we dare not forget the spiritual blessings that are ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you might be here tonight. And you might be thinking, well, preach you just to understand for me. It's been a tough week. It's been a tough month. It's been a tough year. And I've struggled and, and I'm not as blessed as I once was. And, and so I'm not as thankful as I once was. Beloved, I would share with you what Charles Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher, once said. He said, if you're not content with what you have, you would not be satisfied if it were doubled. Think about that. If you're not content with what you have, you would not be satisfied if it were doubled. You see, don't look at all that you don't have. Oh, I wish I had that. I wish I had that. Don't spend time looking at what you do not have. Spend a little time looking at what you do have. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And it will amaze you what God has done. Make sure that your prayers are filled with thanksgiving. You see, our prayer life should be characterized by diligence, by vigilance, by thankfulness. But there's another very important point here we dare not miss tonight. Look again at the passage, would you? Let's read it again. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Now notice verses 3 and 4. Meanwhile, praying also for us, Paul writes, that God would open to us a door for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. This is interesting when you think about it. Uh, we, we know the Apostle Paul is writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he talks about how we're to pray, but then he shares a prayer request with the believers there in Colossae. And it reminds us that our prayer life should be characterized by a spiritual mindedness. A spiritual mindedness. Notice what he's saying there. He says that he is in chains. In other words, he's in prison. Paul's in prison when he wrote these words. He's in chains for Christ. And, and you know, I've never been to jail. I've been there as a guest, but never as a a resident. Don't plan on going. I don't know in the world which we live. I may one day go if we lose our freedoms. But, you know, if I found myself incarcerated, if I found myself in jail, well, you know what I'd be looking for? I'd be looking for a way out. I'd be looking for freedom. 
I'd be looking for uh, to, to go outside those gates, those bars, the barbed wire, and be free. But I don't find Paul talking about that here. Did you notice what he asked them to pray about? His main concern was not his freedom. Notice what it says again, verse 3. Meanwhile, praying also for us, so not just, just Paul, but Paul and all those like him, all those laboring with him, that God would open to us a door. Oh, say, so, well, there it is, preacher. He wants the door open. He wants to be delivered. No, 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 don't stop reading yet. He prays to open us a door for the word. Did you notice that? To speak the mystery of Christ. See, his main concern was not his freedom. He's in chains. He's in bondage. His main concern was the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul says. Would you pray for us that a door be open that we can share the word of God, that we can share the gospel, that we can share the mystery of Christ? He said this in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, for a great and effective door has opened to me and there are many adversaries. Acts chapter 14, verse 27 says, now, when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Now, when I look at Paul's prayer request. And I look at the instruction here in his example, it reminds me that our prayer should should include other people, not just for me, not just mine and not just my family and my stuff, but to pray for others. Meanwhile, while you're praying constantly, while you're praying to Thanksgiving, while you're praying vigilantly, meanwhile, while you're doing that, pray for us. I'm to pray for others and I'm also to pray with a spiritual mindset. See, beloved, we're so temporal. We're so earthy and earthly in our praying. In other words, it's all about here and now. We need to begin to pray more about those things that impact eternity. Those things that are going to matter a thousand years from now. Paul wanted them to pray for open doors to share the gospel. And it's interesting what else he said when he wrote this. Notice what he says in verse 4. That I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. In other words, he says, I want you to pray for open doors to the gospel. But not only that, I want you to pray that when those doors open, that I'll go through them and I'll say what I ought to say. And I'll speak as I ought to speak. And I'll share as I ought to share. Now, why don't we pray like that for one another? Beloved, has already been shared so far. There are several churches represented in our congregation tonight. And listen, if we're preaching the gospel... Of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not in competition. We are partners in the gospel. We are co-ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should pray like this for one another. We should pray that doors would be open. Those at Red Hill should be praying that doors would be open for the gospel through Ansonville Baptist Church and their ministry. Ansonville Baptist should be praying that for the other churches. And we pray one for another that doors of opportunity would open to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We live in the midst of a, a dark world of people who are lost and dying without hope in this present world and without hope in the world to come. People who have never met the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul, there he is in prison. And I, and I know myself, I'd be all feeling sorry for myself. And oh, it, all down, I'm in prison. And all. But Paul says, listen, I want you to pray that God will open doors for the gospel. See, Paul was all about the gospel. I guarantee you, when you were chained to Paul as a guard or whatever, 
And Paul used that captive audience very well and he preached Jesus Christ. If they changed the guard, he'd preach to the next one and the next one and the next one. And he knew that the gospel was not bound. And the word of God is not bound. And we're living in a world in the midst of a community where people have never met the Lord Jesus Christ. We dare not forget them. We dare not ignore them. We're called to reach them with the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Great Commission. It can't be all about me and mine and ours. We need to pray for open doors to go out and share the good news that Jesus saves. We dare not, any of us, uh, 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 hole up in our four walls and sing our way to glory, ignoring the cries of desperate people around us who are lost and dying and undone. The Times reporter of the New Philadelphia, Ohio, reported this in September 1985. They're reporting about a celebration that went on at a New Orleans municipal pool. You see, the party that took place that evening was to celebrate the first summer in memory without a drowning at any New Orleans city pool. By the way, when I read that, and it was the first summer in memory where no one drowned in their city pools, I wouldn't swim in that city, would you? But that's what they were celebrating that night. And in honor of the occasion, 200 people gathered, including 100 certified lifeguards. As the party was breaking up later that evening, the report tells us, the four lifeguards on duty began to clear the pool. And as they were doing that, they found a fully dressed man in the deep end. They tried to revive Jerome Moody, 31, but it was too late. He had drowned surrounded by lifeguards celebrating their successful season. The author who was sharing this that I was reading said this. I wonder how many visitors and strangers are among us drowning in loneliness, hurt and doubt. While we who could help them don't realize it. We Christians have reason to celebrate. Absolutely. But our mission, as the old hymn says, is to rescue the perishing. And often they're right next to us. Yes, tonight we come And we celebrate God's goodness and we rejoice with thanksgiving for all that he's done for us. But listen, that thankfulness that we're experiencing even now should motivate us to go out and reach others with the glorious truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That Jesus died for them, that Jesus was buried for them. He arose for them and lives for them and desires to forgive them if they'll turn from their sin and place their faith in him. You see, when it comes to our prayer lives, we understand that thankfulness is a big part. That thankfulness should drive us to reach others with the gospel. Now, I wonder tonight, what has God spoken to your heart this evening? Maybe you're here tonight. I don't take this for granted. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never met Jesus Christ personally. Might be a church member of any of these churches. You may have been baptized. You may have been brought up in church. You may be the most faithful member at your church. But friend, the key is this. You must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I encourage you tonight, whoever you may be, if you've never turned from your sin in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, do that right now. Call out to him and he will save you. He will cleanse you, forgive you, and give you a home in heaven. Don't leave this Thanksgiving service without making sure that your sin is forgiven, that Christ is your Savior, and heaven is your home. But then I realize I'm speaking to many 
whom I'm sure have made sure of that very fact. You know the Lord. But when it comes to your prayer life tonight, as, as Paul has challenged us here from these few verses, I wonder, have you found yourself woefully lacking in some of these areas? Or are there some things that God's speaking to you about right now? Maybe you're not as constant, you're not as vigilant as you, uh, uh, diligent as you should be. You're not as vigilant as you should be. You're not watchful, you're just totally distracted and, and prayer is just hit and miss. Maybe your prayer is not filled with thanksgiving. Or maybe your prayer life is too centered on the here and now rather than eternity and spiritual matters. Whatever it is that God the Holy Spirit has spoken to you about tonight, would you bring those areas to him? Would you talk to him about those things? Would you pray for grace and help? The Holy Spirit would help you to see your prayer life revolutionized. Beginning tonight at this Thanksgiving service. You see, in our prayer lives, we know, are to be characterized by diligence, vigilance, thankfulness, and a spiritual mindedness. Now, here's the question. Do those words describe your prayer life? Father, it is with a grateful heart that we bow this evening and our hearts are filled and overflowing with gratefulness and thanksgiving to you. The very fact you've given us health and life and breath and strength to stand tonight and to sing your praise. Oh, how grateful we are. Most of all, Father, we're grateful tonight for the free pardon of sin through our Savior, your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Father, I pray if anybody within the sound of my voice has never met Jesus Christ personally, I pray tonight would be the night. That they turn from their sin and place their faith in Christ alone. And now, Father, I pray for those of us who know you. That's all of grace. Lord, I've personally been challenged in my own prayer life. And perhaps there are others here tonight that have been challenged as well. Lord, would you help us to, to just lay it all open before you tonight. To be honest with ourselves and honest with you. And Lord, allow you to examine our lives and our prayer lives and make any necessary corrections that need to be made. Whether it's the diligence, the vigilance, whether it's the thankfulness or just the fact that we're not spiritually minded. Father, I pray that would change beginning tonight. Begin it in me. And then, Lord, help each one. Thank you for these churches represented here, for the pastor, the people that make up these churches. And all things that are said and done in this community, among this body, may Jesus Christ be praised. May he be glorified and lifted up. And may he draw all men unto him. And we ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Pastor Jeff.